it's only a kick, a jump, a block, it's only a serve, it's only a tackle, a run, it's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Does Monday at the office feel like a storm? Not with Microsoft Copilot. That feeling when Copilot gets everyone up to speed instantly? It's sunny again. When Copilot simplifies complex data so your teams can act, that sun's shining on a beach. And when Copilot uncovers hidden insights, you're on that beach with your people and you find buried treasure. That's Microsoft Copilot. Learn more at Microsoft.com slash AI for all. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Welcome to the Pakistan Cricket Podcast. Episode 19, Jared Kimber on Lexpin, Mushtaq Ahmed, and Shane Warne. All right, looks like it is recording. So it's my pleasure to welcome one of my favorite cricket writers, Jared Kimber, to the podcast. Uh, someone who has done all sorts of other things as well, not just cricket writing, uh, like documentary filmmaking, which you know I loved when it came out on Netflix uh, a few years back. Um, and is now beginning uh, a podcast empire from, from what I can see. I don't know. I don't know if that's, that's what it is. Uh, 99.94. People should check it out. Um, so how are you doing, Jared? I'm very good. Thanks for the intro. Um, so I told you, you know, I primarily wanted to speak to you about Lex Spin and uh, your love for Mushtaq Ahmed uh, in particular. But before we do that, I, I think I'd be remiss not to ask you about what you made of Pakistan at the World Cup in Australia. So I, I do, I, uh, one of my podcasts is just Q&As from fans. And there's one particular fan who was very, very adamant. He was an Indian, actually, but very, very adamant that everything Pakistan was doing was wrong with their tactics <laughs> uh, going in. You know, the, the slow opening batting, um, essentially rough middle order that never gets a bat. So we don't even know how good they are. Um, and then and then lo- loading it all in new bowlers. And, and beforehand, I was saying, look, it's not how I would plan a team for a couple of different reasons. One is it only gives you one bite of the cherry. You can mm-hmm. never bat a team out of a game, right? So you're reliant on your bowlers being so good so often uh, that that works. I said, but if you look at their bowlers and you look at the depth of their bowlers and what they have the ability to do, there's it's it's a game plan that they have decided will is the best for them to maximize uh, mm-hmm. their talents, and it's very consistent. It also works very well in World Cups because having better bowling attacks generally works well uh, better in, in in tournaments than having better batting lineups. Consistently, if you look through the history of even all the T20 leagues, but all the way back through the history of World Cups, we could see uh, that is that that is something that has held up a lot. And um, so I think from from that perspective, they they did very well. But of course, uh, what they needed to be able to do in that final is, you know, bat on a on a different level, um, unlock mm-hmm. themselves a little bit, and do everything else. And that's where they didn't have that ability. They still made it a game, which shows you how strong they are on one side of the ball. I think when you're playing against England, 
who is getting the most out of their bowling and has such a variety of bowlers available to them and is very good with their tactics. They're obviously not the same kind of bowling uh, attack, not in the same league as Pakistan. But uh, it's very hard to play England if you're only playing on one side of the ball consistently. doesn't yeah. mean that they couldn't have rolled them in that final and they weren't that far away and all that sort of thing. But I think that's the big difference is um, you're, you're, you're basically going into those tournaments saying, well, our bowling's this good, we're just going to do it. And so much so that we're just going to almost give up our batting. Yeah, and uh, and and a lot of it is that the batting isn't that good. It's not. I don't know who the players are. Muhammad Wazim, everyone um, loves him. Um, and then you do five minutes of research, and you're like, maybe you can only play right arm seam bowling. So I'm not sure he's quite the <laughs> savior. Everyone thinks. Oh Marcus yeah, Zaman is not as fast a scorer as everyone seems to think he is. Um, and uh, you know, you you watch some bat against the Netherlands and and Zimbabwe, and you're like. Maybe it's just a limited batting lineup that is very mm-hmm. good at rocking those 140 to 170 scores. Um, and because of the bowling, they're going to win more often than not. And their winning record over the last, what, five years now is exceptional, right? Absolutely. Um, but they're quite clearly can't, I don't think they could compare to what England has done. So I think England at the moment in T20 cricket, and they have been for a long, long time in one day cricket, have just been a different level to everyone else. Absolutely the best team in for years now. It's, and I think if you're not trying to optimize every part of your game, I'm not sure if you could compete with England because if they're going to turn up with the tournament and make Sam Curran into a death bowler and it's going to work, uh, and you've and you've got Sham Masood in the middle order as your third anchor in case your other two anchors fail, you know, there's you're not maximizing what you can do with your team. And I think um, that's what I saw of Pakistan. Absolutely, I I, I completely agree with you. Uh, you know, the idea of with the fat, with the bowling lineup that you go for uh, a low ceiling, high floor. Uh, and make sure you get decent scores and then the bowling take over. The interesting thing is like the, the, uh, the thing that you guaranteed with a conservative batting lineup was the top two and three being consistent. And that's ironically what we didn't get because of the conditions, maybe. Yeah. I think, you know, in some ways they came into the tournament with the ideal setup, right? With yeah. A bunch <laughs> of fast bowlers, a, a wrist spinner that they couldn't drop because he was going to bat in the top six. Um, and, uh, and two guys who are good when the ball's nipping around and, you know, are good against a brand new ball and everything. It just, it didn't work. But if you look at it, it's really only what about a three game sample size they failed. Absolutely. And by the, yeah. end of the tournament, they're back again anyway. So it, it just happened to be that those three games, you know, coincided with, uh, you know, t- two monumental losses, I suppose, uh, you know, that w- of games that they should have won. So I've got no problem saying over the last two tournaments, Pakistan's the second best team in, in, in T20 at the moment. But that after those two tournaments, considering England had, what, 10 players out over those two tournaments, yeah, uh, it would be hard to say that Pakistan's on the heels of England. And, and I would have said that if, if Pakistan had managed to get over the line there, I'm not sure I would have thought that Pakistan was a better team than England. I agree. Yeah. That I didn't think Australia was in the best two teams last tournament, right? Exactly. <laughs> so I think, I think from that perspective, what you have is um, it's a very, very good team, but how they get it from there to the level that is going to bother England. It, they're not the only team that's thinking that. The, the strength that they have is like, you know, I'm doing a big project on the moment on India. So like, where does India... What does India do other than maybe try and bat down to nine or 10? Mm-hmm. They can't, they don't have the, the bowlers who take, who strike. They don't have that sort of Pakistani strength, right? They don't have the anchors who score really quickly in the way that, you know, um, David Warner does for Australia mm-hmm. and that sort of thing. So you look at India and you're just like, uh, there's a lot to be done. You look at Pakistan, you're like, well, two years from now, it's going to be more Asian like conditions. Exactly. Um, you know, you get, a couple of players, maybe you change it. By then, 
in my perfect world, Shadab's batting four by then, right? Same. And averaging hopefully 25, 30 doing that, striking at 135. Um, if they've got that, that flexibility should give them almost anything. Um, and it, there's still talent there, but it's uh, it's interesting. Absolutely. Yeah, I won't. There's so much else to discuss, but uh, yeah, I completely agree with you on all of that, especially with Shadab. And we'll get to Shadab at, at towards the end uh, with one question, if that's okay as well. You know, you've been... As I said, you're one of my favorite cricket writers, and uh, I want to talk to you about a gazillion subjects, but uh, just for for a matter of uh, you know keeping it short, um, I thought I'd ask you about why you love Mushtaq Ahmed so much. You know, I think I came across this in a talk sport podcast you had with Jonathan Norman many years ago, and I've been trying to find it. I couldn't find it, uh, but I did confirm that I didn't imagine that you did grow up. Um, I think in the early '90s, uh, looking up to Mushtaq Ahmed. For very particular reasons, I think, uh, not only because he loved him, but because uh, of Warren as well, which, you know, I, I, I'll let you talk about it. So could you talk about why Mushi uh, and what about his action or uh, what he did that made you want to copy him or, or uh, model your action on him? Yeah, I think it all goes back to my dad. So uh, my dad was my uh, cricket coach when I played under 12s. And there was probably three of us who were quite good at batting and wicket keeping. So we all batted and wicket kept and we, and we changed around. And eventually my dad sort of said, look, guys, you're the three best players. You're also going to have to bowl as well. <laughs> um, and, and I think at that stage, we were quite, I don't think we developed yet. We didn't realize we were the three best players because we were playing under 12s and we were like eights, right? So we oh, were getting wow. blasted and we didn't know that we were the best players. But my dad, obviously, you know, uh, someone who played a lot of cricket in his life, he could see who was coming and who wasn't. Mm-hmm. And he said, look, you're, you know, just because you're, you understand cricket better than everyone else, you guys are going to bowl. So one of the guys was, uh, he had like almost like a malinger action in some ways, very slingy, maybe, maybe more like uh, Fidel Edwards. Mm. And my old man was like, look, no one's ever going to be able to play. You just come in and do that. And he said to the other two of us, you're going to have to be a spinners. And I, my memory, and I'd have to talk to my friend. He may not even remember it either. My dad couldn't remember it when I asked him. But my memory was my dad sort of said, you'll be the off spinner and you'll be the leg spinner. For the <laughs> um, but maybe that wasn't what happened. Maybe it was just natural because I would keep to him and he would keep to me. So we were trying to do something slightly different. Gotcha. This is 1989, 1990. And spin isn't a thing in Australia. <laughs> You've got Peter Taylor. I don't know how old you are to remember Peter Taylor. I'm old enough to remember, but I do not remember. <laughs> it's worth going back. If, if the people who have uh, Peter Taylor had one of the campus bowling actions in world cricket. And I, and he was like a proper, he was a spoiling off spinner before we even had that term, right? Like his whole <laughs> thing was, you're not going to score off me in the middle overs of a one day game at a time where we weren't even thinking about stuff like that. Like it was a lot of, Bob Simpson thinking about one day cricket in a way that we hadn't okay. thought about it before Deepak uh, Patel played for um, um, New, Zealand New Zealand or anything like that. You know, so you still had proper spinners sliding it up and everything else. Um, and, and Peter Taylor was more in that sort of Roger Harper, um, Viv Richards, but slightly talented, more talented than them. And that was it, right? And then you had Trevor Hones and uh, Peter Sleep. Peter Sleep again, like, worth looking up his bowling action. It looked like he didn't understand. It looked like no one had ever taught him how to bowl. <laughs> his arms going everywhere and it was ridiculous and these guys all were averaging like 35 40 45 ray bright all these crap australian spinners and so if you're an Ast- a young australian cricketer right what are you looking at <laughs> right there's no one on the tv from your nation to look at and you know that was the merv hughes bruce reed craig mcdermott kind of era, okay. Mike whitney 
Yeah. Those sorts of guys, Joe Angel or, or you know, Carl Rackerman. So big muscular fast bowlers, not particularly fast other than maybe McDermott, but big muscular, aggressive fast bowlers. And then the spinners thrown the ball. And it would be like Greg Matthews, who's basically a batter who bowled at test level, right? Or Alan Border taking a 10 wicket hole. So there was no one on TV. And for whatever reason, I picked up leg spin quite quickly and I could bowl off spin. So when I was really little, I'd bowl about three balls of off spin to try and keep the pressure on. Right. And then I'd bowl leg spin because that was the thing that no one could hit. Right. But I also Match, knew that matchups I was, early, matchups it early. Wasn't even a matchup. <laughs> it was more that I knew I couldn't land, you know, we're talking about a 10 year old. I knew I couldn't land the ball six times in a row bowling leg spin. Oh, okay. But I, but I knew that, and this is probably from watching someone like Peter Taylor, I knew I could dart in an off spinner so that they defend me for three balls. Then I'd toss one up and they try and slog it. And they almost always hit it straight up in the air. So I think I played my first senior game when I was 10 and took like four wickets. Right. And it was basically, that was the, that was all I did was, please don't hit me. Please don't hit me. Please don't hit me. Now I tried the leg spinner. And every time I tried the leg spinner, these, these adults were just like, I'm going to hit this out of the park. <laughs> and of course, I don't know what I was doing, but I was probably putting a lot of revs on the ball. So when it bounced, it, and these are on synthetic pitches. So, so I did this and I, I came in like an off spinner because they're really, I couldn't bowl like Peter Sleep because that was physically impossible. Um, and I'm trying to think the only other guy that would have been around was Abdul Qadir, but I don't think he played in Australia when I was developing, mm -hmm. I think if I'd seen Abdul Qadir, I would have copied his method, right? He would, probably would have been like right at the end of his career. Yeah, he was, still, right. he was still playing, but I don't think he played in... I remember him playing in Australia when I was younger, but not when I was... Not when I knew what any of that meant. I yeah, didn't yeah. even know what a leg spinner was when he was playing. Um, and he was the only other one. And I'm trying to think... Um, there was obviously the odd Indian uh, bowler, you know, uh, a laxman bowled at that time. Um, and there was a couple of others, but there wasn't... Between 87 and 1990, Peter Sleep was the only real leg spinner that I remember seeing repeatedly mm -hmm. on the TV. And and that actually didn't make any sense. Like, I couldn't even understand what he was doing. Like, <laughs> if, if you'd asked me to explain leg spin to someone at that stage, I would have said, it looks like you get electrocuted and then you come through. <laughs> um, and, um, and so I didn't know what I was doing for a little while, but the ball was coming out of my hands quite well. Uh, and then, so by the time I'm 11, I'm probably not bowling off spin at all anymore. It's just all leg spin. And that's when Mushy plays. So you'd have to have a look at the dates, but I think it was, uh, 1990, 1991, um, uh, Australia, uh, Pakistan to Australia. And I'm, I'd have to almost look it up live on the podcast to tell you, but my memory is that Mushtaq Ahmed was around at that time. So I'm gonna yeah. it up. It's gonna no, no, I think I think you're right. I think he uh, he came in the early '90s and he had an amazing yeah, tour of Australia yeah. in '95. But that was yeah, yeah he'd already tour where he was bigger, right? Yeah, yeah. So he plays. He, he definitely plays in Australia in 1990, 1991. And for me, I, I suppose that if you look at Greg Matthews, Peter Taylor, um, uh, uh, you know, um, who, who's the other one? Um, uh, you know, uh, or Peter Sleep, they did have these sort of really extravagant actions right mm. and for me and i've never quite done it but i've always wanted to do something on extravagant spin actions and i've got the notes i've just never had a chance to put it together but oh that'd be great um he had this incredible action that all these guys had these incredible actions but they weren't bowling the way that i thought i could bowl and when i saw mushy and remember i'm 11 so it's quite a tall 11 year old but i'm still short compared to everyone else and mm -hmm. Quite often I played upper grade as well and played senior cricket and all that sort of stuff. So I'm playing against men, you know, a foot, foot and a half taller than me <laughs> at times. Um, and, uh, you know, when, so when I'm playing at, at like that, Mushy's a, a little guy coming in and he's bouncing in. And 
Oh, I just needed one action to copy. And I probably picked it up in 1990, 1991. Uh, actually, it'd be 1990, wouldn't it? So he would have played. Sorry, now I am going to have to look it up. He would have played <laughs> in. Yeah, it was 89, 90. Sorry. Um, uh, and so it would have been early. It would have been that Christmas holidays of, uh, of, of 1990 or into January of 1990. I'm watching him on the TV. And from that point forward, I was like, okay, that's an action I think I can copy. Mm-hmm. Little did I know I set myself down on a fairly bad path biomechanically trying to copy Mushy's action. But essentially I did that. That year, I wouldn't say he exploded or anything, but the following year was the World Cup. That's right? when, So what's yeah. that? Uh, 1990, then uh, 91, 92. So yeah, so about almost two full years later, mm-hmm. he's back again. So in that short space of time, I've had two, two um, options of him. Um, and I think for whatever reason, I felt like I saw a lot of the Pakistan games, probably because they made the finals, probably there were more highlights on, whatever mm-hmm. it may be. And so I really perfected probably by 1992. But by 1990, you know, this is before, well, my family didn't have VCR <laughs> cameras. Um, but by 1990, I was certainly doing that. Now, as all this happens, 1992 is quite an important year, of course, because that's when Shane Warne breaks out. That's right. But the other interesting thing is, and you'll know, because it's not something that's really talked about a lot outside of Asian culture, but I think certainly even in Australia and New Zealand and South Africa, we, our, my generation didn't really hook onto test cricket first. We hooked mm. onto one day cricket first mm. in a way that doesn't seem to have happened in England until very, maybe the last 15 oh, years. Yeah. Right? Yeah. right. But if you look at New Zealand, Australia, South Africa, and obviously all of Asia, like we were just watching one day is and one day is and one day is right. And exactly. Colors and it was more fun. And yeah. was, you know, you're watching the Kerry Packer series and you're watching Sri Lanka one week and then you're watching England, you know, the next year you've got two other teams, Australia A are playing. Like it's an exciting time to watch. To watch and you've that. got those quirky quadrangular series and triangulars yeah, that you don't get anymore. Stuff. Yeah. And, and all, all that sort of stuff was happening. So um, I think for me, Warren hadn't started playing by then. And I'd now had Sorry, he'd started playing test cricket, but he hadn't started playing one-day cricket. And uh, Warren hadn't had the breakout. So if you look at Warren's breakout, his first big test series is, uh, or his first big test um, is the Sri Lanka test, which mm-hmm. wasn't, I can't remember if it was tele- televised in Australia or not, but it wasn't, my, my parents didn't have, did, couldn't afford cable TV. So we didn't mm-hmm. have it, mm-hmm. right? The, the next one that we see is probably is it the Boxing Day 1992 off the top of my head. Um, uh, which is when he takes a seven foot against uh, Richie Richardson at the MCG, right? Okay. So bowls the flipper for the first time. Oh yeah, you know, the classic. Right? Yeah. By that stage, I've already had two mushies seasons, right? <laughs> so I'm already bowling like mushy, and I'm you know I'm playing representative cricket, and I'm taking lots of wickets. Also, the other thing that was quite interesting is when I was young, mushy runs through the crease. Which, and I was all skin and bones. Like I weighed absolutely nothing, right? And so I had no physical strength at all. If I tried to come in like Warren, the ball was just so slow, right? I couldn't do it. And, <laughs> and you know, it took me years to get physically strong enough to be able to bowl like Warren at, in, in any sort of way. And whereas with Mushy, I was getting through the crease. And when you play on synthetic wickets, if you bowl slow, the ball bounces and sits up. It's like a tennis what ball bounce. Is, yeah, yeah. So it's concrete with a synthetic wicket on it, Right. So it really does sit up. And so if you're slow and really slow, unless they're coming forward to you, right? And that it's really dangerous. That's when it's like playing a tennis ball. But you've, you know, we've all played tennis ball cricket. If you sit back, you can eventually just flat bat it, right? And so any batter any, who's smart, if I wasn't running through the crease, would just sit back and hit me. Or if I was flighting it up and it was too slow, they'd come down the wicket, right? So you couldn't sweep me, 
you could basically pull, cut me, or come down the wicket and slog me. And so when you play like uh, mushy, you're getting that extra energy through, and the ball was skidding through a little bit more, which meant the straight ones were more important. This is before Warren even had a straight one, right? And so from that perspective, by the time Warren comes along, and he's big, right? So 90, it's really... Uh, so 1992 is the Richie game. 1993 is the Ashes. It's 93, 94 when he, you know, changed, uh, you know, was it South Africa or New Zealand? He destroys everyone, right? So by that point, he's completely taken over. Mm-hmm. But it's too late. I've already it? grooved my action, right, into Mushy. And, and on top of that, I loved Warren, but I don't know what it was. But even from a very young age, I worked out that Warren was a very physical cricketer. That's what I was going to ask you about his action. You described, I think in one of the uh, podcasts or one of the discussions that he was kind of like an Aussie football, footballer body. And so like you, it was very hard to uh, copy his action because he was a unique physical specimen, right? Yeah. And I didn't know that at the time, right? I couldn't put that together. Very, very sad um, thing happened actually years ago. I wanted to put my test to Terry Jenner because it's Terry Jenner who, who perfected Warren's action. Yeah. And I got his number. And I, when I was about to call him, um, uh, 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 a couple of days before I was starting that project, he died. And I never got to put it to him. And I have talked to Kerry O'Keefe. Me and Kerry O'Keefe have had some conversations about it. We agree and disagree on certain things. But I think the very basic thing was that even as a kid, I worked out that I couldn't do what Warren did. I just couldn't get the revolution through. And I've got a cousin who's about two inches taller than me way thicker in the shoulders than me, probably stronger than me, you know, uh, power forward. If you play in the NBA, like, you know, dream on green green type body. Right. Yeah. And he could do it. And he would just come in and he'd bowl the same pace as me off two steps, but I would have to run through the crease and Mushy did that. And there was only one other bowler who did that. uh, And it was a guy called Craig Howard, who no one knows. I'm like the only person in the world that talks about Craig Howard. Never heard of him. Warren had said that Craig Craig Howard was more talented than him. As, as a leg spinner and they came up together and Craig Howard was a bit more like me. He was skin and bones and he wasn't probably a next level athlete in the way that Warren, Warren does. It's not that I'm, I'm Craig Howard was a very good athlete. It, the mm-hmm. only person who ever go through the Academy in Australian cricket as a leg spinner and an off spinner, uh, oh, which wow. shows how talented he was, but, <laughs> but he wasn't, he wasn't like Warren. He didn't have that, you know, special skill set. And um, basically Mushy and Craig Howard both ran through the crease and Craig Howard did it a little bit more like Bill O'Reilly or like a medium pace bowler. Mm-hmm. And I couldn't, I tried it and it just didn't work. Whereas Mushy's bounciness, right? Which he probably took from Abdul, right? He did, yeah. He like, said that, yeah. yeah. And so, and that bounciness just, it just felt the way that I, I went through. And realistically for years until I flirted a little bit with Michael Bevan's action um, uh, years later, Mushy's action was pretty much what I did. Um, and and I could feel, uh, it just made me feel like I got through the crease. And for me, if I could get through the crease, everything else worked, right? It was that momentum through the crease that I needed to create to put a little bit more energy on the ball. Um, uh, and, and I felt like if that was the case, I could control every ball and put it where I wanted it to go at a pace where people mm-hmm. could grow them down. And I wasn't because, so the reason that my dad, one of the reasons my dad picked me and my mate to bowl spin was because we were, we were so slow through the air at medium mm-hmm. pace, right? Mm-hmm. Like I, so I just don't have that power. I've got, I've got a huge throwing arm and no pace on my ball. Right? Okay. <laughs> that's always been the case. I just cannot bowl fast at all. And and so for me, the, the only way to generate that was through that momentum through the crease. And that's what Mushy did. And so Warren is exploding at this point, right? Like by 94, 95, he's, 
everywhere, right? He he's a proper top tier Australian celebrity at this point. We're not, and I'm not talking about cricket celebrity. I mean, everyone in the country knows who Shane Warne is by about 1995. Yeah, and this keeps going, and now I'm in Melbourne, right? So it's not just that I'm in Australia. I'm literally in Shane Warne's hometown, and I'm oh. becoming really good in cricket. I'm taking uh-huh. all these wickets and. You know, I, I I mean, looking back, I never, I was probably never talented enough in one particular thing, but you know, if I played senior cricket, they put me in at slip, mm-hmm. um, you know, I, you know, very early on, I was, I was opening and batting a first and batting first drop in senior cricket when I was still playing juniors, you know, the under 16s needed a player from the under 14s for their finals. I'd be the kid that, you know, I was that level of cricket starting to play, you know, representative cricket outside of our team, our league as well. And when I started in 1992, or when I started in 1990, I don't remember seeing another leg spinner in club cricket. By 1993, there was like maybe five or six of us in in my in my league of whatever 12 teams. <laughs> when I played representative cricket in 1995-96, so we're only talking two, three years after his peak, I played in a representative side where we had 16 men in the squad. And my memory is, and I think this is right, that we had four or five leg spinners in that squad. Wow. And um, it was, and it, and it wasn't just us because I remember playing a team. So I played for North Melbourne and we played against Richmond. And when I played against Richmond, they had, uh, I, I went out to bat and they had a leg spinner on the both ends. Um, and it was just like that <laughs> kind of everywhere. Right. And, and, and I remember, you, you know, if you play club cricket, everyone used to become an, a finger spinner. Right, that used to be the thing in club cricket. Like the old mm. quick bowlers, when they got, they just bowled these darts, right? <laughs> and suddenly, like by the mid '90s, all these old guys were bowling leg spin, um, and it was just everywhere. And, and <laughs> I've talked to other people in Australia. Other people in Australia say it wasn't quite as sharp outside of Melbourne. It certainly had a bigger effect in Melbourne, but leg spin wasn't a thing. And suddenly, you know, and you look at it, Shane Warne didn't invent anything really other than perhaps the slider. And to be fair, Afridi mm-hmm. had that ball and Kumble had that ball. They didn't name it, but they certainly had similar balls. And probably Mushi and Abdul Qadir probably had similar balls to that as well. In fact, almost everything outside of the flipper, Abdul Qadir probably pioneered, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and um, I think, I th- you know, uh, but Shane Warne changed the language. So the flipper was now like a word. And I don't know how much you know about advanced leg spin, but there's probably only 10 people in the world who can bowl test match quality leg, uh, flippers. Oh, wow. And leg spin at the same time, right? I'm not saying there aren't blokes in pubs who can't bowl a flipper, right? <laughs> right? But the ability to be able to bowl test match quality leg spin and land a flipper consistently, right? If you go through the entire you know history of cricket, it's it's almost no one, right? There were more people who perfe- pe- perfected a Dusra than there ever was who perfected a, a flipper in a, in a in a ten year period. The Dusra completely went past the flipper, and so we're talking about this ball that basically doesn't exist, right? Wow. Um, and then from there, everything else. So everything is about this, and you know, I you, if, if you want to know more about my history, I, I wrote a book called The Lily of Camberfield, which is about my relationship with my father and uh, and cricket and 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 our lives together. Oh, um, wow. I did not know that. Yeah, and so it's it's on Amazon. It's just you know like a um, a novella type book. Um, but but in that like you, there's quite clearly that I was rebelling against mainstream society, I suppose. But also, 
cricket was going towards the thing that I had found before the rest of them. So <laughs> yeah. it's this really weird mix of like, I don't know. I, the only other time in my life I can remember it annoying me was I remember very early on hearing the White Stripes. I just okay, thought, yeah, this, yeah. this is the best rock band I've ever heard. I was going to say, it sounds like when you find a band that yeah. nobody else has heard of and suddenly they go mainstream and everybody's yeah. got it. And now you're annoyed. I, they're like, wait a minute. I knew them before. It happened twice cool. with me. I remember the White Stripes really early on. Maybe they, um, I missed their first album, but I, I picked up on their second album. Third album was an indie hit. And then after that, Seven Nation Army and everything, right? Exactly. Everyone That's when I heard them. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, Kings of Leon. The first time I saw the Kings of Leon, there was, I reckon, 150 people in a shed watching them, <laughs> right? And and you're just like, oh, this is incredible. And then a couple of years later, it's just like, Kings of Leon's on every radio list. And you're just like, oh, it's not the same. And that's how <laughs> I felt with the leg spin. And it's a stupid thing to think, right? But I felt like I knew this thing better than everyone else. But suddenly everyone's an expert on this thing. Yeah, everyone's like, oh, that's how you, yeah. <laughs> and realistically, the expert, this is the bit that, that probably fucked me up as a bowler as much as anything was the expert nature I was getting from these people was, Oh, you don't need to run in like, uh, like, like mushy. You need to come in like worn. And there were kids who could do it. Right. Hilariously. If you go through Melbourne club cricket, and I reckon the rest of Australian club cricket would be really similar. There were all these kids who at 15 and 16 were playing top level grade cricket. Right. As leg spinners. And by 18, 19, 20, most of them weren't playing anymore or they were batters. Right. And there, there's even famous ones like Cameron White's maybe the most famous one. Like literally, oh, okay. you know, Cameron White comes through. He's going to be the next Shane Moore. And by the time he's 19, you're like, I don't think he can do it. And what happened I, again and again was growth spurts. And what these kids were doing was they were quite, they were strong enough to get the ball through and put the revs on it and everything else. But they were doing it in a way that when they were about five foot tall, the ball was going up and down. Once they hit, 15, 16, 17, and they have that second growth spurt, they get too high. When the ball goes up, people can just run down and attack it, right? And they <laughs> okay. didn't have the strength of the revolutions that Warren had to bring yeah. the ball down to, to, before yeah. people could come back. I had my growth spurt at 12, right? Oh. So I was almost, I'm, I'm six foot tall, right? And I was about five foot 10 by the time I was 12 or 13, Oh, wow. Which meant that I never had, I never had that advantage of everyone else. So I couldn't, and this is all biomechanics. We're not, no one's even talking about my mechanics. Oh, yeah. Right? <laughs> so I didn't know what it was. All I knew was if I walked in and bowled like Warren, I just got fucking smacked. Hammered yeah. <laughs> over and over again, right? Whereas if I came in like mushy, suddenly really good players are defending me and they're, you know, trying to manipulate the field. And the minute I go back to walking in, I spin the ball twice as much, right? But it doesn't matter. Because like they're just sitting on the back foot and cutting me or they're coming down the wicket and, and smacking me. And and so all these kids who did the Warren method, we have, Australia hasn't produced another cricketer like Shane Warren um, after that. And um, no one who watched him could do it, right? Mm-hmm. Now, I know this intrinsically for me. I wouldn't have been able to tell my friends, right? But I knew intrinsically for me that if I did this, I didn't work. So I'm now taking shitloads of wickets and coming through. But the problem is I go up against a kid who can spin the ball twice as far as me, right? Now I can land a wrong'un. And my wrong'un, it was more of a combination between Craig Howard's wrong'un and Mushy's wrong'un in that um, I could pitch it in a similar way to, 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 to Mushy. Um, mm-hmm. So, you know, um, a little bit back of a length and it would come back in. But I got extra top spin on mine. So it didn't get me a lot of wickets. It usually just hit people. Yeah. Right? So I'd hit people in the gloves, in the chest, 
whatever. So it's probably easier to get a back bat pad maybe wicket that way than yeah, right. And and uh, and that wasn't really you know that wasn't why you brought your leg spinner on really. At that yeah, point, right. Like you brought your leg spinner on to rip the ball past people and to do. So I was bowling in the wrong way. Uh, the Craig Howard that I was talking about before is a great story about him hitting um, Brian McMillan in the sternum. Brian McMillan coming forward to a ball and it just rips up and hits him. And Brian McMillan oh, wow. going, what, is this going on <laughs> what just happened? Yeah. Yeah. And mine was a bit like more like that, which is basically a back of the hand solo ball. That's why back of the hand solo ball spin oh, up the same yeah. way. Right. That's, that's a slightly different wrong. And so Abdul Qadir would have had that wrong and Mushi would have had that wrong. And, but they then have the ones that come more out of the side so that it spins to the off a little mm-hmm. bit more. And, and Abdul Qadir probably had about four or five, which is, you know, what Rashid Khan now has probably seven or eight. Right. Um, but I had one wrong and it was only years later I worked out that there was multiple versions of that. And so my wrong was great, but never got me any wickets. <laughs> <laughs> it would hit everyone, um, but never got any wickets, especially on synthetic uh, on tracks. And I wasn't ripping the ball past, so I, ne- I didn't get a lot of wickets caught in slip and, 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 mm-hmm. and caught behind. But I got a lot of bowls in LBWs uh, from the, you know, sp- sp- a bit like Yassi Shah, I suppose, you know, pitching the ball in the middle and leg, straightening mm-hmm. it. Uh, mm-hmm. When it when it didn't spin, I was a chance of getting a boulder in LBW. When it did spin, you know, sometimes it would hit the outside of the stumps and those sorts of things. And then normal leg spin wickets of half trackers and, and <laughs> people running down the wicket past you and all that sort of stuff. So I knew it was different. So when you get to representative cricket, everyone else is bowling like Warren. I mean, so <laughs> I, I, I remember looking, there was about that um, junior grade cricket that I played in. I think we came up against, there was about, 14 leg spinners and I would say two of them were like me um, and the other 12 were basically variations of Shane Warren. Warren. Um, So some of them might've been a little bit more like, uh, I don't know if you remember Peter McIntyre who also bowled leg spin for Australia. Um, So he was around as well. He actually bowled with Warren, I think in a test match once, I think. Okay. Um, uh, we certainly played test match cricket as well. I just remember, Uh, obviously McGill, you know, Stuart McGill bowling. Yeah. So McGill's an interesting one because he comes on later. Um, uh, but but yeah, so at that stage, um, that's what it was, and it was, uh, you know, it was either that sort of Peter, uh, you know, uh, Peter Sleep and Peter McIntyre. Very few people copied those sorts of techniques, unless maybe their dad or their uncle was a leg spinner, right? <laughs> and then and then you had um, and then you had a couple of us bowling that sort of more Pakistani version. As I got older, you saw I had a Bangladesh friend. Um, uh, um, uh, you know, his parents were Bangladeshi. He would bowl more in that style. Another friend who was Indian mm. who would bowl a little bit more in that Anil Kumble style. So it did okay. start to change, but that was a little bit later on. Uh, but yeah, 1996, it's just like you come in and you spin the ball. And like they would pick me because I'd taken all these wickets. And I couldn't get in any representative sides because they'd be like, why are you bowling like this? We want you to bowl like this. And I was like, <laughs> I can't. And so I went on to higher level of cricket. I played, um, uh, we call it sub-district in Melbourne. It's the weirdest competition ever. It's not quite district or grade cricket, but it's basically like, if you have a look, Endeavour Hills is 11 the other day. I think they were opening the batting with Tilak Ratney, Dilshan, and, oh. and, and um, Karuna Ratney. And who was batting at number three? There was another test player batting at number three as well. Oh, wow. And so it's this weird competition where, you know, I think Chris Gale might have played in it once as well. So there's no one knows how there's money in this competition, but there is. And it's almost <laughs> a little bit, it's probably what's kept Victorian cricket back because there are more people who played cricket in Victoria than there are in New South Wales. But New South okay. Wales only has one top level competition. You have to go through it. Uh-huh. Right? And everyone goes through it in Sydney and their great cricket is great. Whereas 
the Melbourne's is sort of diluted by having these two just, competitions that kind of rival each other. Yeah. It's almost like a retirement village for the, the best players who don't want to play Saturday, Sunday, but still want to make money. <laughs> um, and um, so I played there and again, you know, and, and some, this is the first time when it's also actively my fault because what they were trying to tell me was true, that there was a biomechanical problem within my action, right? That, it didn't matter with Mushtaq Ahmed because he had three or four probably wrong-ins, right? Mm-hmm. I really only had two and I didn't have a wrong-in that was unpickable. Okay. So the higher the level I got, more batters are like, you know, this like I, I once bowled in front of, um, you know, I bowled in front of people like, you know, Ed Cowan and Ian O'Brien and, you know, test oh, wow. cricketers who like from 100 meters wow. away, like wrong-in, <laughs> wrong-in. You know what I mean? My wrong-in's quite easy to pick. I've found ways over the years to make it slightly less easy, but I didn't, when I needed it, I didn't know any of that sort of stuff. And so I'm now a, a bowler whose main skill is bowling a wrong end, right? Who um, can be picked. And so what they were trying to do is talk about the biomechanics. And, and it was actually, it all came together to me one day when I was doing research and I saw Richie Benno show that essentially I was doing more like what Mushy did, which was have my left arm on my left side. Mm-hmm. This is only good if you're you and I on this video. Everyone else is like, what? But my left <laughs> arm was on my left side. Uh-huh. Right? Yeah. What you really want to be able to do is have your left arm on your right side as, as a wrist spinner so that you get you rotate through your hips better. So like a sidearm fast bowling action when you're thinking of like how Wakar Yunus is coming through, let's say. Yeah. And if you go back and you look at Mushy, um, his is a little bit more on the left side. He's a little bit, he's probably almost yeah. more in the middle the way he yeah, sort yeah. of does it. But but mine was even more on the left because uh, I had copied him as a kid and hadn't been able to fix that. Right. And so my arm was on the, on the left-hand side of my body um, when it should have been on the right side. And that's probably why I actually had a lot of um, success when I, I copied Michael Bevan when I was around 18, 19, 20 it was probably without knowing I'd moved my arm across a little bit, okay. more, which meant I got more revolutions on the ball. And if you remember, Michael Bevan was quite fast because he ran mm-hmm. through the yeah so i kept that thing that i needed and had the revolutions so now if you if you watch me bowl it's probably more like uh my own you know club shitty club cricket version although i've broken my arm so i might never might never be able to bowl leg spin again uh, because my wrist doesn't work anymore but oh no um uh but but the last couple of years i played club cricket i was you know low level cricket but even when i played against good players they really struggled with me because suddenly i was bowling at a good pace with my arm in the right place Mm -hmm. the problem is to go back to the white stripes kings of leon No one had ever known anything about leg spin for ages. And I'd read every coaching manual that I could find in my life, right? I knew so much about leg spin, or at least thought I did. Um, and no one else knew anything other than you should bowl slow like Shane Warne. Yeah. When these other people would say stuff, I just disregarded it, right? No, yeah. no, Mushy took wickets. That's fine. I'm okay here. And as I got to the higher levels of cricket, I was just too slow. Right. Mm. And because I wasn't spinning the ball at speed at, at that speed, like if I was, there were other guys I played with who bowled my speed and even slower, but they were spinning the ball a long way and I wasn't. Eventually I could get picked off. So a, a bit going back to like what I was like as a 10 year old, that's how really good players would play me. They would literally block me for seven or eight overs. Right. Uh, and then they would go, okay, well, he's not spinning enough to beat the outside part of the bat. Um, and so what we will do now is we'll either just sweep him um, or we'll just use our feet. And I had, I was too slow to keep them in their, in their crease and I wasn't getting enough revs on the ball mm-hmm. to get a top edge when they were sweeping. Right. Mm-hmm. 
And so from that, I basically, you could, you could work me out over a period of time. I, I would play against really good cricketers. I, I played against, you know, England women's cricketers. And for the first mm. couple of overs, even they are a little bit like, oh, okay, we've got to, we've got to keep him out. Uh, you know, I bowled against Charlotte Edwards once and oh, I, wow. it took her, Legend. About, I know, yeah, it took her about two overs to work me out. But once she worked me out, I had nothing to go to. Yeah. yeah so yeah. I didn't have any of these other things. And so that all comes from Mushy, right? Mm-hmm. But the, the other, that's the leg spin side of it. The other side with him is that, if you're a, in 1992, the only thing we knew about Pakistani cricketers really is Imran Khan. Yeah. Right? So he's huge. So I don't know if you know, but there's a famous brown face com- comedic skit uh, where it's literally, no. it's like, and again, you know, this is a Pakistani cricketer in Australia in 1992, <laughs> 1993. And there was a skit on one of the biggest comedy shows in the country in which all he ever does is talking about how he wants to make love to you like a cornered tiger. And oh. that's literally the, the joke over and over again, right? Oh and, and I mean, like, brown face and the hair, the open shirts, the whole thing, right? He was that famous. Those were the days, weren't they? Yes. Well, I mean, the racism is one thing, but think about how famous he was. Oh, yeah, yeah. He's, he's this a... isn't a cricket thing, right? Yeah, this yeah, is yeah. literally, like, so he had gone to the point where the top comedic show in the country is What's imitating a, a cricketer who only plays in Australia every couple of years. Yeah, yeah. And is, and he was retired. I he think. was basically done by then as well. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So you've got the racist act, uh, aspect is phenomenal. But then you've got the fact that you are, that's how big he was. The rest of Pakistan cricket didn't really exist. It, it really, it, you know, 92 World Cup obviously helps. I'm not going to lie there. But even then, it's really not until the sort of was a Akram in Z days. Because uh, mm-hmm. Wakar Yunus was never a huge force in Australia in the same way. No. He's one of those cricketers that we were always told was going to be really great. And then he came out and he bowled some Yorkers. But I don't think he ever had his as many of his greatest moments consistently in Australia. Was or, or during World Cups, really. So he's been kind of, yeah, which kind of doesn't have the yeah. same sort of aura that maybe Wasim does because of that. He was injured or coming back from an injury when exactly. he was in Australia. Or he played a lot of cricket when he was past his best exactly. in Australia as well. Yeah. So, so that 90s, I think there is a bit more of a movement towards it. But even so, you know, Australian cricket was middle ground, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, as far as league table. From ni- from one onwards, Australia takes over. Right? Yeah, yeah. So the idea that you, as an Australian cricketer, would love Pakistan. Mo- and, right? and, and, and follow Mushy, Mushy yeah. versus Mushy's Warren. even more random. But Pakistan, to begin with, was it didn't happen crick info didn't exist the internet didn't exist in australia True. right yeah yeah yeah. yeah so 1992 here's a fun story about crick info in the internet 1992 there was one computer uh on the internet in australia and it was at melbourne university and it was being used by a man who was filled uh, who was uh, uploading ball by ball content um to american university students and that is the origin really to crick info that's right. And right. I, it, I, I one saw computer, one computer in the whole country. And it's literally being used to tell people what's going on in 92 World Cup. I want to ask you about that maybe some other day, because I actually want to do a podcast on uh, the origins of Crick Info and that. And I know you did a thread on one of the people who was sort of like the pioneers of it. And I yeah, know some Sid of them. You guys. So Sid V wrote exactly. the feature. I, I made a f- film about it, but ESPN wouldn't show it uh, because it wasn't exactly what they wanted. But, uh, but me and Sid V both uh, have certainly done that. So, um, you know, it, it was very hard to follow Pakistani cricket, but as they'd been out those two times in a row. And so I went to a fancy dress party as Inzi. So I had the white <laughs> brim hat, right? No brown face. Don't worry, we're okay. Not that I think there's any photos of it anyway. But, um, <laughs> Good. <laughs> you know, uh, and, and people would ask, you know, who, you know, 
it was because it was this is the way that questions were phrased at that time it was like who's your you know oh you're, you you play cricket jared yeah uh, what do you do um leg spinner and then they get really excited right like, oh, always, warning. oh your favorite cricket's warner a warning no it's mushy actually one uh, question on warney and mushy together in terms of the sort of personalities on the field uh, not, not as much off the field um because you know warren's got that sort of aura and you've talked about it a lot every a lot of people have you know and he's got that sort of distinctive pause the sort of stare the sort of charisma um and of course he's like a sort of rock star with the sort of especially early days with the sort of beach blonde hair. Um, Mushi is not exactly that, but I remember 92, maybe because that's my first main, main memory is the 92 World Cup is, you know, him with Dermot Reeve and doing that sort of thing when he, when he deceives Reeve and he's basically, Dermot Reeve and he's basically just making fun of him going like, you, you can't pick me, can you? So I don't know. I thought he also had a little bit of theater and play to him as well. I don't know what your memory of it, because you were older than me and you followed him maybe even closely, more closely than I did. Yeah, I think for me, I think I've written about this somewhere before, but there was almost like a magic pixie element to him, right? Like, like you know, that he, pixie, he, yeah. Yeah, he was tiny. He had energy. Um, it was really later on when he plays for Sussex. And it's a shame. We never saw the best of Mushy at Test Cricket because, you know, uh, I, I'm now friends with Matt Pryor. And Matt Pryor, like, Matt Pryor is sick and tired of me asking questions about Mushy, right? <laughs> And so apparently, I think Mushi signed up with Sussex. Uh, Matt Pryor had just became the wicketkeeper. Um, and Mushi said, who is, who is my keeper? Who is my keeper? Right. And just took him to the nets and just bowled and bowled and bowled and said, oh, you know, wow. this is what this okay. is and whatever. And they did that, that for years until Matt Pryor could understand, you know, what the hell was going on in front of him. Right. Um, and you look at his numbers, you know, taking 100 wickets in county cricket, you know. Year Phenomenal year. for them. Yeah. And, you know, that I think that was probably his peak. That version of Mushi is probably more like Abdul Qadir or Warren, right? When you're completely on top of your game and you know you're completely on top of your game. That other version that I think we got through the 90s was probably more cheeky chappy. Right? Yeah, yeah. Like, like, of just like, oh, you can't, you're not going to be able to pick this. And, oh, this is so fun. And I think that is more traditionally, I think that is something that drew me to him again. Uh-huh. Right? He didn't have the big swagger or the big leg spinner, right? He had that, all right, yeah, but I got something. You don't even know what I'm going to do. I'm going to do it right now, right? And I'm going to have so much fun doing it, right? Cheeky fucker, basically. He's a a cheeky fucker. And and if you go back, we really hadn't had many spinners like that. Abdul is, like I said, maybe early Abdul was like this. I don't know. Mm -hmm. But by the time we get the lots of clips about him, we're talking late 70s, early 80s, he's like in charge, right? And you can see, he's like, you know, there's that great story about him playing grade cricket in Melbourne. And he bowls for an out. He bowls a wrong un, right? And the and the batter picks it and blocks it and goes, "Great, that's his wrong un." And the next hour, Abdul doesn't bowl another wrong un. And this guy's like, "Why is he not bowling a wrong un? Why is he not bowling a wrong un? Why is he not bowling a wrong un?" <laughs> and then, bang! He bowls the secret, the finger wrong un, which is the one that he passed on to to Kumble and to um, Imran Tahir and Afridi and everyone else. Um, and and you real and you realize i mean the mental fortitude to sit there for an hour there's no way mushy that era of mushy that i fell for Good who's deal. waiting an hour to bowl a wrong and right yeah yeah, yeah. So he's like leggy wrong and leggy wrong and top spinner <laughs> slider leggy leggy wrong and wrong and wrong and right and and he was also you know you look at abdul abdul was trying to work you out spiritually and shane Warne was trying to break you mentally right yeah 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 that's you know if you look at mushy he's not like that at all it really more is I'm going to bowl leggy, then I'm going to bowl wrong. Oh, you can't play it. You can't play it. Okay, we both know you can't play it now. I'm going to this is funny. You you Come back and do it again. Yeah, yeah. Right? <laughs> and, and so I do think it was a different, he had a different dynamic that I suppose to a 12-year-old kid was a little bit more exciting. 
Do you know what yeah. I mean? Like it did feel like he was kind of one of us. Like, you know, this just having of- fun. Yeah. Yeah. And, um, you know, having studied sport, you know, very closely over the last, you know, 15, 20 years, whatever it's been now. Um, it's that energy is one of the things that people really like young players. Mm, yeah. Kind of like young players who don't know what they're doing is wrong. If that makes sense. Yeah. And, and I think he just had it in abundance. Right. And it was just coursing through his veins. You couldn't not notice what he was doing. And, um, and I think that was a big part of it as a younger person, you know, and it's a shame for me. I never got to watch sort of the older on top of it, Mushi, because I think by that stage, I was ready for that. I would have grown perfectly into that era. And I, I think you might've, I, I, I've said this before, I might've done it in a video, but I preferred late career Shane Warne to early career Shane Warne because late career Shane Warne wasn't the physical specimen anymore. Exactly. Literally what Abdul Qadir had been in stories Right, uh-huh. just like well, I'm going to set you up now for about 40 minutes, and I'm going to do this. I can't spin the ball sideways every ball like I used to, right? But it doesn't matter because I'm actually smarter, and I know more about you as a human being and as a batter than I than I need to, and I understand exactly what I need to do here. So for me, second career Shane Warne was much more interesting, and that was the era that I would have loved to have watched Mushy, but um, unfortunately, it was playing for Sussex, and barely, uh, I think he'd already finished for Pakistan. I know he might have did he come back a couple of times, but um, you know, but we, also had we also had Saklan then, so it, it also yeah, probably so he had... wasn't even always in the side. Um, but you're right, so, it, you it's, know, it, it, I, I actually away. heard an interview or I read an interview with Mushi, and it's funny because I didn't know this, but uh, preparing for this interview, I was actually reading it, and he actually says something which matches what you're describing because he basically says that a lot of his sort of uh, drift, he said, I actually didn't understand how to use drift until later in my career. I didn't learn how to use all the variations until later in my career. And the last, and which by that point, he was actually much more a county player than he was a Pakistan player by that yeah, point. And I, I think, I think it's, that's why leg spinners generally, generally get better in age. It's because mm-hmm. you have the basic skill. So, you know, to bowl a leg spinner and to land it on a spot with any revolutions on it is tricky, right? And so that, that you spend a lot of your time probably dealing with that side of things, right? So look at someone like Bryce McGain and Bob Holland. And, um, you know, there's been some other ones in other countries as well, where it took forever for them to perfect it. And then they do, and they end up in test level, you know, in their thirties. They, the, that, that them matching it with, that's what makes Rashid Khan so special, mm-hmm. right? Is the ability that at a very early age, he didn't just, perfect what other people had done he actually he had a he had the physical advantages so he can bowl quicker he he has that weird action that allows him to you know uh land the ball where he wants to um in a way at speed that most leg spinners can't do yeah but he also went he worked out that cross seam worked he then worked out that he could bowl this kind of wrong and then this kind of wrong and then this kind of wrong and he just i mean if i'd have told you in 1996 that abdul Qadir had more than two wrong ends Anyone in cricket would have looked at me weirdly, right? Yeah, yeah. Right? And, but the truth is that, and this is definitely only going to work on, uh, <laughs> this is definitely only going to work on the video for you. But so he's got a ball in his hand right now. I have a yeah. ball in my hand. When, when, you bowl, uh, when you bowl a leg spinner with a, like a sort of standard leg spinner's grip, okay, the ball then has to come out over your fingers, over your two, uh, your, your ring finger and your middle finger, right? <laughs> what people like Abdul Qadir started so Abdul Qadir is the first one that sort of started changing it. And what he did was he started holding the ball in his fingers, tips, 
<laughs> right? So it looks like he's still holding it normally, but when it comes out, it doesn't have to roll over the fingers. And wrongans are slower than leg spinners. And the reason wrongans are slower than leg spinners is because it has to travel over those fingers. Right? Okay. So he bowls what is called a finger wrongan. Um, uh, you can see Afridi bowls it occasionally. Anil Kumble bowled a beautiful finger wrongan. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Right? I think he then had a top spinning wrongan and he then had a side spinning wrongan and he probably then had one that looked more like a leg spinner and wasn't. Right? Those are my, those are my guesses. Unfortunately, his best stuff is quite often done in, in you know, in, in Urdu, and I've never had the chance to just sit him in a corner and, and, and go through it all. But, but that's my guess of the four, five wrong uh-huh. he had. Uh, Rashid Khan um, starts to experiment with grips, mm-hmm. right? And uh, Imran Tahir was another one where they start to hold it so that the ball's almost already out of your hand <laughs> when you bowl it, right? And so you're almost holding it with your little finger at this point. So it's still coming out the oh, side. Wow which means it's still getting the rotations into the batter or uh-huh. the way if you're a left-hander, um, but it's not getting slowed down by the fingers again. The problem with the finger wronging is that you can't get the wrist action on it as much, right? Okay. But both of those things basically do the same thing, which is they go down the other end um, at, at a speed where the batter can't pick it. So Sandy, when I worked with um, St. Lucia, you know, I went to David Warner and I said, you know, we're playing Sandeep Lamachani. No one can place him. What, what do we need to do? And Warner's like, oh, it's easy. He's wrong and slower. So as soon as you see the sort of slow, the pace. Slower, and you haven't picked kind of, it, you yeah. have to start to play for a wrong and, mm-hmm. if, and, and in and Warner's case, what he was saying is if, if you're wrong and you're a right-hander, it just beats the outside edge. Mm-hmm. And, and that's the worst thing that happens, right? Um, but if you start to play for them, you can actually then start to hit them because mm-hmm. now you're just facing a slower off spinner, yeah. right? And, um, and and look, this is a constant thing. You you see this with a lot of bowlers, and, and it's really been something in the last five or six years that has changed. But you don't see a lot of younger leg spinners until the YouTube age, which is why Rashid Khan um, is quite so interesting. Until the YouTube age, it that took years to work out, mm-hmm. right? Absolutely years. Look at Shane Warne's slider. Mm-hmm. It takes him about is when we need Dan Bredig on the podcast, but I reckon it takes him <laughs> about nine years to perfect the slider. Wow. Right. He call, he talks about it early on. Right. But to actually get to the point where it looks like a leg spinner, mm-hmm. it still has re- rotations like a leg spinner, but it skids straight on. That took him a long time. A 3D probably takes six or seven years, but he's running through a little bit quicker. So it's a little bit easier for him. Um, but yeah, those, so those sorts of things, we missed that with Mushy. We missed that elevation and when you know talk to matt Pryor or some of the other sussex players or the guys who played against them in county cricket they're like yeah that's that's what we faced you know the, the, the just you know scrambling the seam uh because leg spinners you go back and watch Warren, he bowls with a straight seam every ball mm-hmm. right it was mm-hmm. we didn't even know that it didn't make any sense because if you look at all the old coaching manuals they're like make sure your seam is dead straight because then you will hit the seam every time which means you'll get more bounce and more spin and more purchase well, that's not what we want. We want to put as many rotations on the ball so that one gets spin and bounce and purchase, yeah. and then the next one goes dead straight, right? And and once we get to that level, that is unlocked. All those things, older leg spinners were working some of those things out, but it does take a long time. So we, I feel that we missed Mushy at the international level, and he must have been at that level just to dominate in the way that he did in counter cricket. It would be impossible to have, you know, as good a bowler as he was, he went to another level, I think, late in his career. Yeah. And then you're looking at then the, the matching of what, what you can still do physically. And we're seeing it with Ashwin at the moment, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Ashwin in the last three years is the kind of the perfect thing of eventually his fingers, his wrist, his elbow, his shoulder, something's going to give. 
mm-hmm. right? And he'll still be a good bowler because of the mind. Mind, but yeah. We, we just had that perfect period over the last two or three years, especially in test cricket, where it's like he's completely on top of what finger spin bowling is at the moment and his body is letting him do it. Yeah. Right? Eventually he won't do that. And then we hope he has a worn period, right, where he yeah. can go on with a, with a depleted body. But not everyone can. Um, and, you, you know, you, you, we don't think about spinners as physical athletes in that way. But mm-hmm. you talk to Graham Swan and Graham Swan will say to you, just my elbow hurt yeah yeah yeah. i couldn't continue to keep doing what i'd done and my elbow had always hurt but playing that much test cricket over a couple of years just it just wore it out and i was basically i was from the moment he started playing test cricket he was on borrowed time uh from that perspective and we just don't think about spinners that way and it means that sometimes they have to come up with those other methods um and and as i said the only thing that's different now is that you know varun chakravarti and um uh you know uh, rashid khan and uh, Tikshana and all these guys, Ajanta Mendes was one of the first. They're just working it out through YouTube and through experimentation in a way that no one ever has before, which means at a young age, they can put some of those skills on. This is the end of part one. Um, please check out part two of my interview with Jared Kimber, um, in which we talk about Shadab Khan whether you should play test matches for Pakistan or not. Um, we also talk about um, Matthew Hayden as Pakistan's mentor during the T20 World Cup and uh, coaching more generally. Thank you. Thank you for listening to this podcast. Before I finish, I just want to say thank you to Dikobe for letting me use his music. You can donate to my Patreon page if you'd like to help me in continuing to do these podcasts. Links with information about the guests, the music, and the Patreon page can be found in the podcast description. Thank you. Sports Social Podcast Network. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.